This is Understanding Money and I am Owen McGee. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming back. If this is your first time, you have lots of other stuff to get through. If you're a repeat listener, I appreciate it. Today, it's all about couples. Couples and their money. We've asked you some questions. We're going to talk about the polls that we've done on Instagram. We're going to talk to Connor and about him and his wife's relationship with money and how they sort it out for themselves. And as has become a big part of this series, we're going to talk to you about your questions and your answers. Amanda's going to join me in studio. She's going to ask me your questions and I'm going to answer them. And they are the very, very first time I get to hear them. When we talk about couples and we talk about finances, it can be a very tenuous area. It can be a place that you can cause an awful lot of trouble in your relationship. Finances and relationships are a very difficult place for some people to go. And other people seem to have cracked it, Connor, and they have figured out exactly where they might end up if things go wrong and if things go right. And they have done that. And there is a bit of a magic sauce to that and how they've managed to crack the code of getting couples' finances to work. And I'll tell you that magic sauce at the very, very end. But before we talk about the couples, let's just think about the singles first. And the reason why I want to talk about the singles is because they're important. But also, if you're in a couple and you're thinking about yourself and how difficult it is for you, I want you just to count your lucky stars. Because however difficult it is for you, it's twice as hard for a single. A single doesn't get to split the Netflix, the rent, the gas bill. They're not as attractive to a bank if they're looking for a mortgage. Not only that, it's the mental turmoil. When a single has to make a huge financial decision, or even a tiny one, it's all on them. And that makes the decision so much harder. Yes, they can get support. Yes, they can get opinion. But ultimately, the decision lies with them. And that's a really difficult place to be, particularly if you're making a very big financial decision. So if you're in a couple, appreciate the fact that you're in a couple. If you're in a couple that splits your finances, appreciate that fact. But that doesn't mean it's all plain sailing for you either. We did ask you some poll. And I'm just going to have a look at Instagram. On the poll we asked, one of the questions we asked was, what type of account setup do you have with your partner? Roughly about 8,000 people replied to each of these. So it's a decent number of people. Joint, 19%. Separate, 29%. A hybrid approach seems to be the preferred, 52%. And what we mean by hybrid is you have your own account, they have their own account, and you've got a joint account in the middle, usually for bills. And that seems to be the structure that works. And that's an interesting option to go with, because what it means is, is that you are taking joint responsibility for the stuff that you feel is joint, but you do still have your own financial independence. What I will say, though, is, is that going your own way and having two separate accounts doesn't necessarily suggest that it's wrong. It's not wrong to do it one way or to do it another way. The key to it is, is that you find out what's right for you two, what works for you two. And if it works for you two, don't mess with it. But if it doesn't, you need to have a discussion about it. Financial problems within a relationship can really exasperate all the other problems that are already there. They can just make it worse, but also it can be the flip side around as well. Sometimes you can have a whole pile of other problems and the financial problems are created as a result of that. And what I would say is, is that when the financial problems start to take hold within a relationship, if they're not sorted out very quickly, you are storing up problems for the future. When somebody starts to take the piss financially, 
When there is a joint account and they're using money out of it that shouldn't be used, it can cause real problems. When somebody, if the agreement is is that we go 50-50 on everything and you walk into a restaurant and you don't go 50-50 at the end of the day, nothing might be said then because you know what? The person who paid 100% of the bill feels that they're being tight if they bring it up. But the reality is, is that when that contract is broken of what the expected agreement is, once that contract can be broken, it's difficult for the party who is paying out more money to actually address it at the time. But it's very easy for them over time to build resentment towards that. I've seen it in relationships where their salaries are the same and everything's 50-50. And particularly, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, there's research to back up what I'm about to say. So it's not just my opinion, there's research to back it up. If it's a male-female relationship and the female jumps ahead financially, that can cause real problems for a man's ego. And a man, the research suggests, this is again not of my opinion, the research suggests that provided it's somewhere around 50-50 or somewhere as far apart as 60-40, it's manageable for a man's ego. But go beyond that and men start to struggle with things financially in terms of what their place is in the relationship. This is not opinion, this is research that I'm quoting here. And one of the things that can happen, that doesn't mean that women should hold themselves back and not try and get ahead financially and get the bigger salary. What I'm saying there is, is that when that happens, you need to get the communication right. You need to make sure that when you said to them, I got a promotion work and I've got a big pay rise, you need to accept that men, and I'm sure it's the same in same-sex couples as well, that it could have exactly the same impact. The man does want to be happy. Let's just keep it as the heterosexual couple for the example. The man does want to be happy for you, but their ego could be dented. And the financial relationship that you have can shift very dramatically if one person's wage changes. But that can also be the same where you started off together where the salaries were very different, but you didn't set down the rules. You didn't decide this is how our financial relationship works. And you know what? At the very, very early stages, the financial relationship does set the foundations of what it was going to look like in the future. So if on the first date, he paid for everything or she paid for everything, and the second date, the exact same thing happened again, you're starting to lay down the foundations of what the financial relationship is going to be like going forward. But it doesn't mean that you can't break that relationship or change that financial relationship because now you're more embedded in it. This is what's fair now. This is what we look like now. And this is how we're both going to be able to get through this going into the future. There is a situation where we end up in a position where sometimes there is what we would call financial abuse. And let's just take a step back before we go and talk about Connor. Talk to Connor about his finances. Financial abuse is one of the worst forms of abuse. It's typically control of another person's finances. Sometimes it happens because one person gives up work and they give up their salary, maybe for the benefit of the kids or maybe for other reasons, they're no longer working. And one person controls, and I mean controls, all the purse strings. They don't have access to the money. Sometimes it's a case of we both have our own salaries, but they get paid into the joint account. And every time you spend money on that joint account, you get hassle, control, abuse for spending. You get questioned on what was the money spent on. And I'm not talking about off the cuff, what you spend that money on? I'm talking about analysis on where your money is going and what you're spending on. Questions about why you're spending money on that. When you are being financially abused or financially controlled, you may not see it for yourself. And all I'm asking you is, is if there's anything that sounds or resonates with you about what I'm saying right now, that 
it just doesn't feel right. I don't have control over my own money. I don't feel like I can spend on things. I'm not talking about frivolous things. I'm talking about day-to-day things. If you don't feel that you're in control of your money because somebody else is controlling it for you, please go and get some help. Let this be the wake-up call. You don't have to go and get official help. We all have a good friend we can talk to. Talk to a friend and explain it to them. This is how the money is worked in our house. Does that sound normal to you? I know it's a difficult place for people to be. What I would say to you is is that talking to one person is going to make a difference to you. Financial abuse, financial control is not a nice place to be and you shouldn't have to put up with it. So please talk to anybody about it and do it. Take this. Use me. Use me as the excuse. Listen to Ong McGee and he describes some stuff around financial abuse. What do you think of that? And just sound people out so that you can find out about your story and see if you're being abused or not and maybe you're not and maybe your partner's been absolutely reasonable saying you can't go into that shop anymore and that's completely different you're spending too much in pennies or whatever it is that's reasonable can you stop you haven't taken the labels off the last stuff you bought and you're buying more stuff that's reasonable it's different abuse is different and if that resonates with you at all please do go and get some help well let's get back to it When we talk about couples and relationships, it's an incredible minefield. It's really difficult. So what I wanted to start today with is I wanted to talk to a real life person. I wanted to hear what's their financial relationship like? How do they work it out for themselves? And that's why we got Connor in. Connor, thanks very much for coming in to talk to us. Just for the listener to know, I know your name. Mm-hmm. I know that you're in a relationship. I know that you're a client to Prosperous and you're happy for to share that with us, but I didn't deal with you on your journey with Prosperous. And I know that you're glad to be here. You're happy to come in here and talk to me and talk to the listeners today. What we're talking about today, but sorry, other than that, I don't know your backstory. And that's important for anybody. Yeah. I'm hearing it for the first time the same way everyone else is. What I want to talk to you about today is couples and how couples manage money Mm -hmm. and the interaction between a couple when it comes to managing money. Tell me, first of all, I know your wife isn't here. Wife, yeah. Your wife isn't here. Um, But she's okay with this and we're going to talk about it. And I will try and be the voice of reason. I will try and be your wife's voice, even though I haven't been here. So I might challenge on some stuff. But tell me this. How long are you together, first of all? Uh, More than half my life. Gosh. Uh, (laughs) uh, We met when we were 16. Okay, uh, so we've been together that whole time. Okay, uh, so thirty-four now, so seventeen years. Seventeen uh, years. Mar- married since twenty seventeen. Kids, uh, two kids now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and tell me about. So you must have been in secondary school when you met first, and that actually is an interesting one from a couple's perspective yeah. because that means that as education and careers and everything kept going, you did that financial journey together as yeah. well as the life journey. Yeah, correct. So tell yeah. me from an early stage, what was it like with money, like the very start, and we don't need to go into it, it's a long time ago now, right? But the very start, were you the chivalrous one and paid for everything? Yeah, uh, probably, probably not. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I was I was kind of, kind of got cycled everywhere. Uh, so I didn't, didn't really get the bus <laughs> all that much. Uh, so activities wise, it was all kind of, you know, uh, walkable distance free uh, stuff is what you're telling free me. stuff yeah okay. <laughs> on the cheap but uh, it, you know okay and then did you go to college we went to college yeah yeah yeah. so we, we both ended up studying engineering oh, both um, of you did engineering at the same time engineering at the same time yeah different disciplines so so we had we had that 
uh, that lifestyle, those costs. And um, during college, there's big night outs. And there's di- were you in the same college? Were you doing the same discipline in the same college? In the same discipline for, say, the, the first year, but then we kind of uh, spread into our own our own fields, yeah. In, but in, in the same college? In the same college, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So we both ended up then, after that, doing PhDs. Okay. Um, so she was a year ahead of me. The way, the way it worked out, I was on a, a different course at, at three and two, where she was straight into PhD under the undergrad. And that came with a, an 18,000 euro stipend. So from from then... So we, just, we, sorry, hold on. So you're, you're doing your PhD and you each get 18,000 euros. Yeah. So here you are out of college, sorry, out of ordinary college and gone on to do the bigger stuff, yep. right? And you're both getting paid 18 grand a year. Are you renting? We're renting, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was maybe six months into my PhD and a year and a half into hers that we ended up moving in together. Uh, she'd moved out uh, prior to that, so she knew what it was all about. Um, so and how did that work then? You're both on the same salary, you're both renting the same place together. Is it yeah. just a bit 50-50? Yeah, exactly. Well, it was really easy to make that decision because we were both making the same thing, uh, amount. So it was, you know, split down the middle. We had 500 euro towards uh, a saving goal, um, 500, 600 Euro odd toward rent, and then four hundred people are going to be listening. They're doing a euro. PhD, they're renting, and they have a savings. Well, would you believe our <laughs> like, first? It's, it's it's little house in the prairie, perfect life. Our stuff. first rental property actually was on was on Ellsbury Road. Would you believe me? <laughs> of course it was. Yeah, it was. The it was, it was, it was, it was mad. I know. Yeah, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Um, yeah. Okay, so you're you've got your money split 50-50. It's really really clear. I'm not going to ask you what salaries you're on now, mm. but let's step forward. You you've got that really good foundation, right? Yeah. You're coming from literally nothing yeah. you're growing up together yeah. you're at the same level for some time I don't want to ask you what your salaries are on purpose I don't want to but are the salaries the same now or are they quite different no she has she's leaped and bounded ahead of me now on, on that okay yeah, so I, I picked up that she was a little bit ahead of you on the PhD and yeah. now she's miles ahead of you on salary miles as well ahead, yeah, yeah. Okay. astronomically yeah. and is it still split 50-50 or how does it work yes um, so I mean bills and anything that, that are kind of combined household there. so so the way we work now and we've we've gone through kind of different you know we had separate banks and then, I mean, the way the mortgages were being offered, we had to combine it for, for you know, to have a joint account. Rate, yeah. Then that was an absolute mess because you couldn't really keep it in secret. So when it came to Christmas and that, it was like, look, you kind of know what I'm going to get you. <laughs> there it is on the statement. <laughs> Act surprised, you know. Um, so, yeah, we, we've, we've settled on sort of a bills account where, okay. you know, at the start of the month, money goes into that. And that that would include like uh, so we, we we've also done the analysis on sort of you know what what that bills amount to so like you know typically looking back on services for the car or ESP bills or phone bills you know the the fixed amounts that we know are coming they go into an account and the direct debits come out of that one account okay and then we each so have, the joint bills all go in and you've made an assumption in there as well about. Okay, we know the car servicing cost is this last yeah. year, so we need to allow for that this exactly, year. Exactly, yeah. So, um, so, so that that balance would sort of wane, you know, really high or really low, but yeah. it generally works. Um, okay, and then you have separate accounts. And each. then, I mean, the wages go into separate accounts. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, your wages go into your own account. Her yeah. wages go into her account, and then you put a set amount fifty fifty into the middle. Uh, it's the bill split down the middle, yeah. So, okay, so the bill split down the middle. So she, if she has more money to spend on what she spends it on, then that, that's fine oh. by me. It's her money, yeah. Okay, so we've established that she's the salary boss, right? Yeah. Well, who, who's the household finances boss? Or I'd is say it very split? Joint, like, uh, I suppose, responsibility taken on that front. So, um, so would you sit down and say, right, this is what we spent last year on servicing the car, so this is what we need to allow? Or would one of you do the numbers and sit down afterwards and say, look, does this look right to um, you? If, if, if she gets to it ahead of me, I'd be checking her numbers put it that way okay. you know like uh two two analytical analytical minds going at that uh you know but um i mean even 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 before we got seriously earning in, in the early life when we were set about saving we were looking at sort of 
where's our money going and, and what could we do in mm. terms of increasing that savings. But the best thing we did was actually to, to print out our financial statement from the bank for the last year. And I had uncovered sort of, you know, ATM withdrawals that I couldn't actually account for. You know, I didn't know where that money went. So since then, since about 2015, I have not gone to the wall to take out money because I just don't know where it goes. I'm really disappointed because if you said it was like 2020, March 2020 or April, I could just I could put it down to my book, but there's nothing to do with my book. You no, just got no, there by no, yourself. No, yeah. <laughs> okay. So you've actually, you really have a very structured system and you're an engineer and so is she. So yeah. you'd expect that. Yeah. You must come to blows from time to time. There must be, not blows sounds like it's a fight, but there, you must hit bumps in the road and say, oh, I wasn't prepared for that. How do you manage that? I suppose it's the forecasting bit where we kind of are most at odds. So like we could work toward a holiday, say, mm. and I'd be thinking, no, we can't afford that, so don't book it. And she'd be saying, we can't afford it by the time we, we'll get to it. It's right. six months away. And I'd say, well, we can't afford it now. Um, but we're so, not going now. Yeah, I told correct. you it was going to be her voice, right? So yeah, we're yeah, not going yeah, 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 we're not going now. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's exactly it. So, so it's that sort of time forecasting that she's really good at seeing um, and it kind of has me kind of not indebted to someone but like tighter on the belt than I'd like to be. Yeah. And do you ever end up in a situation where one of you runs out of money in the month in your own personal account or you get hit with a big expense and you have to kind of go oh can I take that from the joint account or would you give me an L loan there for a while? Yeah bail us out there um, yeah I suppose it, it would come up but yeah there's, there's, I suppose there's a fairness to that you know there's yeah. kind of a look I did it for this reason um, whatever <laughs> it might be it's like you know like uh, but, Ireland don't go to the Rugby World Cup all the time yeah type correct type thing, right? that, that, that type of thing <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah okay so when you look at it, when you think back on where you've been, you're in a situation where you've grown up together financially, grown up together in life. You have actually tried the full on joint account. And for you yeah. guys, that did not work. And yeah. what you've, you've landed on is, is I get my salary in here. You get your salary in there. We put them together. We assess together. And you two seem to, I'm going to go as far as to say, you seem to get a little bit of a kick out of that in terms of the for She gets a yeah. kick out of the forecasting. You get a kick out of the backdated analysis mm -hmm. and coming together, bringing the two brains together. You've said, right, that's how we're going to manage our finances on a day-to-day -day basis. You've got your money. You've got, she's got her money. And this works for you. Yeah. Any tips or tricks that you would say to people around? What if you, if you were talking to somebody who was completely opposite? I have my money. She has her money or he has his money. We're completely separate and this works for us. Is there any advantages that you see that they may not see with the way you're doing it? Uh, yeah, well, it goes back to that thing of or that phrase rather um, where, you know, just because it's equal doesn't mean it's fair, you know. So, yeah. So within reason, you know, if, that, if, if, if all of our sudden, sudden our outgoings were beyond my capability, but within our capability, then I think there'd be a little give and take in that. Um, yeah. But for the most part, we're, we're both able to, to contribute to the bills and, and the outgoings we have. And so, you know. Do you think you'd be in a good position if for some reason one person decided to give up their job or for some reason somebody lost their job or mm. was taken out of their control? But if one of you weren't working, do you think you have a good foundation there to be able to deal with that? Or do you think that because you have your money and she has her money and you've got your joint account, do you think that could cause problems? There's probably benefits to, to, to one of us not working, to be honest with you, you know, in terms of childcare and, you know, one of us get all the, the tax benefits. So it's certainly worth sitting down and having a, having a look through, but um, we'd probably make it work um, as we have done. <laughs> I suspect, I suspect yeah. you would, but I'm still poking the bear. Yeah, no, I, 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 I wouldn't think that that would be a, a big thing to overcome. 
Okay. Yeah. And is it easy now just to pick buy a Christmas present without knowing what it is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we still have budgets now, mind you, for, oh, for, for, for how much we can spend. Um, I know. I've got to be really sorry, right? Like you're a financial planner's dream. Like, <laughs> listen to you. This is the way we do it. We analyze our past, we project the forward, we forecast the future. Yeah. But there's definitely people at home going, ah, here. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> leave yeah, it fair out. Enough, fair <laughs> do you remember that video from Tom Street? Ah, here, leave it out. Yeah. And that's what they're shouting at the thing at the moment. Yeah. But I'm going to be honest haters with you. Are gonna hate. I'm gonna be, haters are going to hate. Haters are going to hate. And that's, that's fine. But what I will say is you both, by communicating with each other, have found a way that works for you. Mm. And it seems to be really working for you. And therefore, let the haters hate because none of them are sitting down at the kitchen table on a Tuesday evening to try and decide are the finances going to keep me awake tonight or yeah. not. So the way you're doing it is right for you. It's not right for everyone, yeah. but it's right for you. And I have to commend you. Like as a financial planner, there is a mutual kind of engineer financial planner. We kind of have similar analytical mm. brains and I respect what you've achieved. So thanks, thanks very much. So thanks for being willing to share it with us. You're very welcome. I have Amanda back in with me today. For those of you who haven't heard, you should have heard by now, but Amanda is marketing in Prosperous yep. and we work together on a daily basis and she has agreed to come in again to give your questions to me. So Amanda is the conduit and she also kind of is trying to call me out and stuff that I'm trying to dodge and do a politician's answer on. So let's go <laughs> for it, Amanda. Yeah, thanks very much to everybody who uh, sent their questions over by voice note. It's uh, Great. Obviously, the podcast wouldn't happen without them. The first question, the person actually wanted to have their voice remain anonymous. So okay. I'm going to read out their question. I think that's really important for people to realise. Like one of the things when we're talking about guests or we're talking about queries coming in by voice note or whatever it is, one of the things we don't have to do with the podcast that some people might associate with the TV show is we don't have to get into the nitty gritty detail mm. about how much you make and how much you're spending, any of that stuff. We want to hear your stories and your relationship um, with money. That's what we're interested in here. It's not about how much do you spend in McDonald's in a week and where yeah. you want to voice an opinion, a question or whatever else it is, and you want to remain anonymous, we will absolutely always respect that. And mm -hmm. that's why you're doing it. You're going to read this out. Remind yeah. everyone as well just to say, I haven't heard these questions before and I, that's the way mm -hmm. I like it. I want to just hear them live for the first time when we're recording. Yeah. So the first question came in from a individual, part of a couple in their late 20s. They're looking to move in together. They have enough saved for a deposit. They have spoke about getting married, but they want to prioritise getting a house over marriage. And what they really want to know is what your thoughts are on buying together before marriage and if there's anything they should be conscious of. Throw me in the cauldron there, don't you? It's interesting because Connor just described a minute ago where they prioritised the wedding over the yeah. house and they did it the other way round. And whenever we throw a poll up, Amanda, I'm sure we've done a couple of polls together on Instagram. Yeah. It's interesting to see the different split between what people think should come first. What I would say is, look, the legal system, and I'm not a solicitor, the legal system does protect people who are married better than it yeah. does when it comes to joint assets, better than it does an individual. But that is slowly changing. What I would say, though, is, is that when it's 50-50 going into this, if something goes wrong, you would expect it to be 50-50 on the way out as well and that the legal system would prepare you for that, right? And I accept that they have talked about marriage. I accept that they're prioritising the house over the marriage. 
and I'm only talking, I'm not talking about it from an emotional or heartfelt perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm only talking about it from a financial perspective. There is a further complication here that people often overlook, and it's particularly in the first three years. So if you buy a house with somebody who's who you're not married to, and that other person dies in the first three years, mm -hmm. their 50% of their house, although all the legal agreements may end up paying it, like it says, you're getting it. But you could actually get hit for tax on that particularly in the first three years. Okay. Because this is in, from a taxman's point of view, this is a stranger and they're giving you 50% of a house. Yeah. And it can, and there is ways, and if you get the right advice and set up the life cover in particular in the right way, you can get around this and you, you'll still have the tax bill to pay, mm -hmm. but you'll receive their 50% tax paid. Okay. If you set it up right and get some advice on that, if that's the route you're going. What I would say is, is that if this person's buying a house with this other person and that this couple are together and they're buying a house together, it is important that uh, it does sound to me like they're committed to each other and they want yeah, to stay. Yeah. And marriage is not for everybody. Mm. And the tax system is very unfair. And we've done polls on that as well in the past where it's usually mid 70% of people would say, no, the tax system should be changed to reflect the fact yeah. that we have long-term relationships now. And cohabiting couples rather I, than... Yeah, I do think the most important thing that that person needs to do is communicate with their partner. We're not married. We're buying this house together. I always use this one, blame Owen McGee. Owen McGee said to somebody in a similar situation to us that we need to talk about this. And when you're in with the solicitor, talk to the solicitor about, you're going to have to get a solicitor to buy the house anyway, talk to the solicitor about, we want to protect each other here. We love each other. We have no intentions of splitting up, but we want to protect each other here. And how do we do it? Um, when it comes to this asset, this property, how do we make sure that that's protected? That if something happens, we have a way out. And that's the same whether you're doing something with your brother, your best friend mm. or your partner. You should talk today about what it's going to look like if something changes down the road. And if you don't talk about it today because you find it too hard to talk about it today, can you imagine how hard it's going to be in the future when things have gone wrong? Yeah. Does that answer the question? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's like anything with couples. Communication is key and just it is in some ways unfair really isn't it that a married person is treated differently yeah and the yeah. system doesn't work and like yeah. you think it's bad from that like particularly on death the difference is ridiculous yeah I know obviously this person mentioned that they have spoke about marriage and a lot of people a lot of people I think are in similar similar situations to this where they're choosing either the house or the marriage or the, the wedding I suppose yeah. because they're both massive expenses and you know, you do have to choose which one you want to go with first. Yeah. Let's Good just face it, the system is not set up. We are traditionally a Catholic country that got I married. Know. That's yeah. what we were. Yeah. And that's what mm. we were. And I think that's the important part of it. We're no longer that. It's still incredibly important to some people. And I respect them people. And it's marriage means nothing to other people. But the tax system doesn't respect that marriage doesn't mean, means nothing to other people. Yeah. So we're going to play question two now. Right. Hi Owen, just wanted to say first of all, love the new podcast. The other thing is I have a question about couples finance. My husband and I got married in March of this year. He has recently got a promotion, which means he now makes more money than me, which is great. And we're delighted about that. And I suppose my question is, what's the best way to organise a couple's finance when you're married? We have a joint account for all our bills and for our mortgage. And then we're thinking about setting up a joint savings account for things like house renovations and joint projects. Okay. It's interesting because, and people should know, 
I record this in chronological order. Like the way you're listening to it is the way I've recorded it. So I hadn't heard that question, but yet I referenced someone getting a big pay rise in my introduction today. Yeah. You don't know that, Amanda, because you just walked into studio, right? <laughs> so that was pure chance and it did just my mistake, I suppose. Interestingly, they have got the pay rise. That's changed the finan- financial dynamics, which is probably causing this question to kind of come to the top is what I would say. Yeah, but and really, they're recently married, I the, think, as well. Is yeah, the, recently yeah. married, recent pay rise, a lot of financial change, but a lot of couple change as well. Mm. Like for that couple, there's a lot of change going on. And what's great about the person is, is they're asking, what way is the right way to do this? Okay. Mm-hmm. And the right way to do this is to sit down together and decide. And it's a real politician's answer. I don't have the answer. You have the answer between you. But that is the answer. Mm. You need to sit down together and you need to say, what works for us? What is the right way of doing this? Like we saw how Connor and his partner do it. There's other couples, like we saw about the, the poll that we did, showed us that about 50% of people do a hybrid approach where they do the joint yeah, account and yeah. two separate accounts on the side or two satellite accounts on the side that they own themselves. And that works for some people. What I will say is, though, certain couples would split up if they had a joint account. And I mean that. Mm-hmm. And certain couples would split up if they didn't have a joint account. Yeah. And it's about deciding yourselves what the right way to do it is. There's lots of methods you can use. You can say, okay, what are the bills? Split them 50-50. And if 50% of the bills happens to be all of your salary, tough, right? And if it's only 60% of the other person's salary, they have 40% to spend on whatever they want to spend, right? And that's one way that could be done. Yeah. What do you think of that way? Like I'd be very much of the of the opinion. Now, this is just a personal opinion, but when there's such a difference in salary... I suppose money is only one part of a relationship and do you really want to be leaving your partner with yeah. nothing disposable at the end of the day because you can afford to spend that bit more? And I, I'm giving you the extreme, but mm. there are people who will work like that. They will say, uh, well, sorry, this is the yeah, lifestyle yeah, we have yeah, and 50% yeah. of the bills are this and I just happen to have money left over and you don't and that's tough. Mm-hmm. Or that's the extreme. The other example of it is, is that, well, 50% of the bills are 90% of your income but yeah. they're only 60% of my income. So you've got 10% left. I've got 40% left of my income. Mm. And there is an imbalance there. But you know what? You still have your 10%. You want to do something better, go get a better job or better salary or whatever it is, whatever the wording is that that person uses, right? So that's one way of doing it. The other way of doing it is, is saying, you know what? My salary is 100. Your salary is 50. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover twice the cost, two thirds of all the bills. So mm-hmm. I, my contribution to the joint bills is twice as much as yours is. And that keeps it all fair. And then the other one is, is some people will say, you know what I'm going to do? Whatever the bills are, we're going to cover them. We'll put everything into a joint account and we both get a thousand a month each or 500 a month each or a hundred euros a month or whatever the figure is, right? And we say, we get our own money, which is equal as well. And sometimes people kind of feel we have to get to equal. And when it becomes a little bit like that, just be careful that you're not getting to a point where, oh, everything has to be 50-50, everything has to be equal. No, we both have to be doing the things we want to do, right? And one person, for example, like just to give another extreme example, one person might get a huge amount of joy out about about going for a three-hour walk every Saturday, which doesn't cost anything, right? The other person might get a huge amount of joy about spending three hours on the golf course every Saturday, right? Oh, did I hit a nerve? I think a lot of people can relate to that one. Yeah, and the golfing obviously costs more money than the walk does. But as a couple, you're trying to support each other to do the thing that you want to do. Like Mm. that, you're trying to, you get really brought up in the couple's thing, you're trying to make the other person be the best that they can be yeah, and support absolutely. them to do that. Yeah. And that's what a couple should mm. be about. 
And if the couple finances can support both people doing what they really want to do, then you're onto a winner and it doesn't have to always be 50 50. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of ways you can cut this up. And what I would say to that person, their question was, how do we do this? You do it by sitting down and talking to each other. Yeah. And I do think from a lot of the messages even that have come in, clear communication is the key, really. Interesting. I'm not, I'm not sure I should go here, but you know what? We will. It's the podcast. <laughs> we'll give it to them. I was asked this question, right? And I, I, I learned my lesson. So you're never going to get this again off me, right? But I was asked this question on a Saturday Q&A one time. How should we deal with our finances? How should we split them up? Very similar question to that mm-hmm. there, right? And I was on a night out. And I was at the table, the person I was with went off to the loo or something, or I assume it was that I started flicking through the Q&A and I answered. This is how Owen spends his Saturday nights. (laughs) And I was flicking through and I said, there's a question about couples finances, how do you answer? And I had a few beers on board and I replied, right? I thought no more of it. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh, that was blunt. Oh, that was a tough one. Jesus, you went hard on them. So if that person's listening, look, I just, you caught me at a moment where oh, I have to answer this quickly before I'm joined again. And uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe my filter was down a little bit. I basically told them, just, you just sit down at the kitchen table and talk to each other instead of talking to me on, a, on an Instagram app on a Saturday morning, on a Saturday evening. And it was a bit harsh. It was a bit tough, but I was probably had my guard down. I don't usually answer questions. No, no. With a drink on me. That's how I spend my Saturday evenings is right. <laughs> was there a second part to that question? There is a to second part so to that Is this the two-parter one? Yeah, okay, yeah, right. Yeah, Let's yeah. hear the second part of it. Another question I have is in relation to having babies, getting pregnant. Don't want to know how to do it, uh, just more so how to finance it. So th- what's the best way to, to finance, you know, um, potentially longer term maternity leave? Most people get six months paid leave and then got a six month gap where you might need to plug a hole. So what's the best way to do that? Is it saving up when you can um, on your pregnancy journey? How are couples supposed to do that? Thanks so much, Owen. Bye. Do you get from that, Amanda? I don't get from that. And just correct me wrong. She's not talking about financing IVF or anything like that. She's no, talking no, about financing no. the, the, the paid maternity leave when that yeah. runs out and going to unpaid maternity leave potentially. Absolutely. I, I think from that question, it is we're looking into having a baby and Wonder, how can how, how can, can we, we find uh, yeah how best to prepare okay prepare. again i know i'm broken record at this stage communication is key here but one mm-hmm. of the things is, is assuming one salary is going to be depleted or disappear yeah. and whether that's because of pregnancy and having a baby or that's because of something else in like some other circumstances change or someone goes back to college or whatever else the preparation mm-hmm. is very very similar you have to establish how long is the salary going to be different for so if yeah. it's college it's going to be two years or four years or whatever else it is, right? If it's career break or if it's maternity leave, how long is the salary going to be different for is the first thing you need to question yourself on. The best way, but the most difficult way of doing it is from next month, live on the reduced salary and see how it feels and do it for a month and just really see the stuff that you can't do anymore. The the luxuries that have come into your life and hopefully it's just luxuries. If you're taking bread and milk off the table, you need to reassess. Mm -hmm. But if it's taking luxuries off the table that you just can't do that this month, well, then you need to question yourself about, OK, is that actually going to work for me? Because whatever about doing a trial run and see how it goes, that can work really well. It can teach an awful lot. But there's a way out at the end of the month. You still have got your salary had come in and you still have the money there. Yeah. That's a perfect way of doing it, but it's a very difficult way of doing it. If you can do that and you say to yourself, OK, yeah, I can do it with no salary. You don't have a whole pile of preparation to do. Or my salary disappeared for the month. I have no salary. My reduced salary, I could live off that and I'm fine. Great. Back all preparation to do, keep your finances going as they are. If you find, you know what, I went from 100% to 0% salary and I really couldn't do it, look at 50% and go halfway between the two and say, 
maybe the next month, and I know this takes time, but look at, or maybe you can do this with an Excel spreadsheet either if you don't do the actual time. If I had 50% of my income, could I survive? And could I survive for six months on 50% of my income? And you know what you do there? The next six months, you save 50% of your income yeah. and you have the, ne- the following six months with the 50% when your salary is stopped. And that's the second way of doing it. But the best way of doing it is really sit down, communicate with each other, talk to each other about how it's going to work. This is a time where, particularly if it's a one person supporting the other or there's a child coming into the house for the first time or the second time or the third time, if it's a family decision that's being made, the other person, particularly if they're on a higher salary or particularly if it's been very 50-50 up to now, where somebody has to step up and the other person has to step Mm. up. But try and figure out first what the end looks like. How much is six months off going to cost me? If I'm on a thousand euros a month, it's going to cost me six grand. If I think I can survive on half my salary, which is 500 quid a month, and I'm making the numbers up, obviously, it's going to cost me three grand. Mm -hmm. Where's that 3,000 euros going to come from? Oh, you know what? We spend three grand a year on holidays. We won't go on holiday that year. Yeah. And try and figure out what the end looks like and work backwards from there. What's the big number? And work backwards from there and see what resources have we got? Have we got a bit of savings that's going to cover it for that couple of months? Have we got, have you any chance of a promotion? You know the way we usually use your bonus to do that? Or could we temporarily reduce our contribution to other things like pensions or savings? Could we talk to the mortgage provider and say, will you give us six months of an interest only or six months break? And some of the old contracts would have done that without having to go in true underwriting. It didn't affect your credit. It was just the terms and conditions. You can write to them and say, any three months off here. And you can do that as well. And what I would say... At any stage. Can you do that at any yeah, stage? Some of the really for... old contracts now okay. would have had it as a, as a kind of a, yeah. a, a feature of the thing. Write to us at any time you want. Having a child, doing something different, taking a break from work. Write to us and we'll give you three months off your mortgage or six months off your mortgage. Okay, yeah. um, I don't know if they still... I'm not aware of them doing them at the moment, but we're talking if, you're con- if your thing is kind of 15 or 20 years old, you could find it's on it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So talk to your mortgage provider. You might get a break. So... Start at the end. Worth having that conversation as well. Yeah, anyway, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just make sure that whatever you do with the mortgage is not going to affect your credit. Okay. Yeah. But what I would say there is you need to start at the end, figure out what the big number is, and then try and find ways of plugging that gap and saying, how are we going to do it? And there might be some lifestyle choices you'll have to make, but this is a lifestyle choice in itself. For that person, it's about having a baby and it's a lifestyle choice. But also is if going back to college or doing something else that the, that the, the couple decides this is important to us. Yeah, can apply. And start with the big number, work backwards. It's important to note as well that a baby coming in to the mix will also add expenses. Yes. So would you suggest when you're going back, I suppose, looking at can we survive on this, adding, say, a certain amount mm-hmm. or? If if you're in, if I think everybody knows somebody who has kids, right? Yeah. And one of the things that I think nobody's going to disagree with is parents love talking about their kids. Right. We're yeah. not a great country for talking about money, but parents love talking about yeah. their kids. So what I would suggest you do is rather than us going through it here, go and have a chat with, with a mammy yeah. who will be only too delighted to tell you how much it costs them, how much extra money it's cost them on a month to month basis. And that will give you a real indication of the, the extra cost. That's a good call because I, I had kind of jumped over that bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, go talk to a friend of yours yeah. who is a mammy who has young kids and they will tell you. Be only too delighted to tell you all yeah, about it. Yeah. Is there any more today? Have we got any more questions coming? No, that's all our questions for today. Okay. Um, we did get more questions in. Um, but we don't have time for the rest have, of the time. Yeah, we time don't have time. So Amanda, what is, what is the contact details for people who have queries, questions, comments, or want to put themselves forward to say, I'd love to come on the show and talk to you about my story. Or you know what? Amanda Owen, is there any chance you get such and such on the show? They're deadly. 
Yep. So the contact detail is 087-291-0507. That's 087-291-0507. Excellent. So if you have comments, queries, voice Mm -hmm. notes, questions, suggestions for yourself or other people to be on the show, that's the contact details for the show. And I'd really appreciate if you made Amanda's job a little bit easier, a lot easier, that you can just send them directly to there. And preferably voice notes. It is great to have the voice clips. um, But if there is a case that you do want to ask a question that's quite important to you and you don't want your voice heard, we can also look after that. Can I just preempt this? This is stuff for the podcast only. There's not, I didn't get your question on a Q&A on Insta on a Saturday and this is an alternative yeah, way yeah. to get your question. It's not, that's not what this is for. It's a completely different telephone line. It's for podcast stuff only. So that was the couples episode. But you know what? It didn't go anywhere near as much of the content that we wanted to get through. So we will definitely be revisiting couples and their finances. We got to speak to Connor. Connor, I think, is a good example of how to do it well. And what they have done on the system they've worked for themselves works for them. Maybe you're not doing it like that. Maybe you'd hate to do it like that. But the point is, it's another option or something for you to look at. If you're not happy with the way things are being done right now, you need to change it. You need to get to a point where you are happy. We also looked at some of the polls. In fact, we only looked at one of the polls. There was a couple of things I did learn from the polls. We talked about the hybrid account as 50% of you. Who handles the family finances, their household finances? That's about 50-50. Do you have similar spending habits? No, it seems it's about 60-40. We don't have similar spending habits. That needs to be put in check and people need to start thinking about that. Because when it looks to savings habits, you're about 50-50. Do you know why? Because savings is typically this amount each month. Spending habits are a bit more sporadic, so it's harder to do it. Just remember the key, and I mentioned magic sauce at the start of all of this. What's the secret sauce to couples and their finances? If you've been listening listening intentively, you'll probably have picked it up already. It's about communication. It's about talking to each other and deciding what is right for you. What's right for you may not be right for somebody else or for another couple. You can get a kind of opinion and a bit of guidance from others, but nobody can actually tell you this is the right way for you two to do it. You need to talk to each other about that. You need to be very open. And one of the things I would say is you need to jump in early on if cracks start to appear. There is nothing worse than financial resentment building up within a relationship. And it can simmer for a very long time and explode as a massive problem and can be quite detrimental to a relationship. Communication, 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 it's key. And if you're on the right path and things are going great and you start to veer off that path, pull yourselves back on and have regular conversations. Money is one of those things in a relationship that you need to talk about all the time, particularly when you don't think you need to talk about it. This has been a journey through what couples and their finances are going through some of the options available to you but it's only the start of the journey i absolutely believe we need to revisit this i believe we need much more this show is only made possible by the entire team that are around us it's not just me it's not just amanda it's you guys it's the people here in the background on the production side it's everybody working hard to try and give you information to help you demystify the financial world but more importantly to help you 
with your money, to help you understand your money and help you get more from your money. And more important, to help you get enough out of your money to support the life that you want to live. I want to thank you for your contribution that you've made. Your questions are an amazing part of it. The people who decide to open themselves up and come in and sit down are an amazing part of it. And we want to continue to encourage that. Amanda gave out the contact number. They are in the details below. Please use that for queries and comments and suggestions for guests or if you're willing to put your name forward or to send your voice note in with the question that might appear on one of the future podcasts. But also... We have been rocketed in the charts and we're doing that together. And I'm absolutely delighted with where we are. I didn't understand this world. I don't understand this world, but I'm starting to understand this world. And one of the things that makes a massive difference is A, that you listen to it. B, that you follow it. And C, that you tell someone else to listen and follow it. Because that's the only way we're going to get bigger and better and deliver more for you guys. And that's what this is all about. You understanding money and you getting your money to a point where it doesn't really matter anymore. You can just go enjoy your life. Give us a follow, give us a listen and tell your mates about us. Thanks very much and we'll see you soon.